and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills, so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us, unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands, for all the people are melting in fear because of us. Thank you. That's a, that's a great little phrase in there. Melting in fear. Hopefully you are not melting under the heaters. If you do need to move a little bit, you're welcome to do that so they can uh, get quite warm. Uh, but today, uh, we, we have a surprise because uh, last week we heard those encouraging words to Joshua. What was it? Be strong and courageous. Joshua was told three times by God, be strong and courageous. And then the people said back to him as well, be strong and courageous. So those words are ringing in our ears and it uh, sets an expectation for us that we're about to hear about some courageous acts. That's, that's what it should do. Chapter 1, hearing four times, be strong and courageous. We should now go, oh... Something, something big is going to happen. Joshua is going to be strong and courageous, right? If I was writing chapter 2, 
that's probably what would happen. Joshua would go and do some kind of sign of his courage. Like we'd, we'd see something, he'd have to face some difficulty and we'd see a little bit of a sign that yes, Joshua is going forward and he is being strong and courageous. That's what I would do if I was writing chapter 2. I don't know what you would do if you were writing t- chapter 2 of Joshua, but I didn't write chapter 2. God is the author of this story. And so, uh, what we get uh, is actually a surprise. So, with the phrase, uh, be strong and courageous, ringing in our ears, we immediately get an example of courage and strength, but it comes from the enemy camp. The first act of courage and strength comes from the enemy camp. It's a woman named Rahab. Uh, we're told she is a prostitute and she lives in Jericho. Uh, Jericho is a city, it's a fortress against God and God's plans, the God of Israel. So uh, Rahab finds herself on the wrong side of history. She's in the wrong profession. Uh, She is with the wrong people, under the wrong king, worshipping the wrong God. Her circumstances have meant that all of her loyalties lie in the wrong things. And so, she does one of the most difficult things a human being can do, and that is to betray your tribe. One of the most courageous acts that requires the most strength and resilience and and inner fortitude to go and do is to betray your people and go and join another. To change your loyalties. It is one of the riskiest, most painful and stressful things you could do. Uh, And Rahab echoes down the ages because she was willing to take that step wholeheartedly, no hesitation. Uh, She saw God's good future. She saw God's promises unfolding in history. She saw the spiritual truth and the way things really are. And so she planted her loyalty, her allegiance, her faith and trust entirely in the hands of God and of God's people. In chapter 2, Joshua barely gets a mention. We're set up to expect that he's going to do something strong and crazy. He barely gets a mention. Uh, The spies, they're just following orders as soldiers. Rahab shows incredible strength and courage. Uh, And so the lens, I I think, to to read chapter 2 through, the lens we should be looking through is that lens of loyalty and betrayal. Keep in mind loyalty and betrayal. And, uh, of course, uh, Mother's Day is a great day to highlight uh, where do your loyalties lie, uh, how loyal are you. Honouring your mother with some nice words, a gift or your presence for a meal is a demonstration of loyalty. Even uh, if, if your mother has passed away, sometimes people will go and um, place flowers on a, on a grave. It's a, it's a demonstration of loyalty to say, you are my mother. Uh, but one of the things 
it's uh, taken me a, a very long time to realise about my own cultural bias. As a, I, I was born and raised and always lived in Melbourne, um, but uh, coming to realise that Australians are not strong on loyalty uh, in comparison to other cultures. Uh, there are many cultures where loyalty is really strong. I, I noticed that in the US, displaying the US flag is, is quite a common and normal thing. So from New York City to the, uh, the Midwest, to like everywhere you, that at least I went in the US, people were very happy to put the US flag out on display. It is a, it's a display of loyalty to the country. Do you see that in Australia? Do you see that in Melbourne particularly? Melbourne, like nowhere. You see it on government buildings, other institutions, but people's homes, you just don't see that, uh, particularly here in Melbourne. Uh, we might bring out the Australian flag for the Olympics and then uh, we, we tuck it away again after that. Uh, then similarly in, uh, in politics, there's been even recently a rise in the independence. You know, the, the, the teal independence are now quite a thing. It's another sign that we're, we're not loyal to the major parties. Um, we don't have, we also don't have strong brand loyalty. Now, the idea of loyalty programs are quite big over in other countries where, where the longer you are with an organisation or a company, the more rewards you get. And that kind of thing is just not big here in Australia. Of course, one of the few places we do see public displays of loyalty is the AFL. <laughs> um, there's, there's very strong... It's interesting, actually, to think through the AFL and, and we see loyalty and betrayal really strong. So... Uh, very few people will change the team that they support. It's like you're a supporter for life of that team and when someone does change team, we're like, how does that work? Like we're, we're confused by this idea that someone might change the AFL team that they support. Uh, and when players change, it's a big deal. Like they'll get booed when, if, they, if they betray their team and go and play for another team. So, and it's hard to see your star player now playing against you and kicking goals for the other team. So if we're thinking about loyalty and betrayal, try and feel, feel all of those AFL. <laughs> That's the closest I think we can, we can get in our cultural setting. But perhaps think about other cultures um, because we, we might not feel the intensity of what Rahab is. The reason I'm talking about this is we might not feel the intensity of what Rahab is doing. I'm trying to help you feel just how significant it is what she is doing. So perhaps think about uh, the Iranian Christians who have been part of uh, this church or, or any, anyone who's come from a Muslim culture to then become a Christian and just how big a deal that is to change their, their huge questions of loyalty and betrayal for them uh, in their families, in their wider settings, for business, for their work. Uh, think about um, people living un under Nazi Germany who were helping Jewish people uh, to survive, to escape. There are huge questions for them. It's a life and death situation uh, under loyalty 
and betrayal. So with that lens, let's work our way through Joshua chapter 2. Here's how it starts. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So our attention is directed straight to Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, all of that would have actually been quite an epic journey for them, for them to go into the land and to uh, scope it out, to have this covert operation, to sneak into Jericho, disguise themselves perhaps. And uh, Rahab's house was probably like a, an inn or a tavern or maybe like a, a pub, hotel kind of thing that we might think about where it's normal to have travellers. So it's, it's a bit of a smart move by the spies to go and hide out there. But it turns out they've actually, they've actually failed. <laughs> they've been discovered and the king finds out that they're there. But none of that is highlighted, which tells us that that's not the point of the story. We're not supposed to think too much about the spies. We are supposed to think of Rahab. And uh, it's, it's described quite bluntly there as we're drawn, as our attention is drawn to Rahab. Rahab, who is a prostitute, and already here the topic of loyalty and betrayal is raised because prostitution by nature uh, as a career, is absent of loyalty. Uh, it is uh, sex without commitment. The loyalty is to the money and not the client. And so from the start, she, she is perceived and named as someone who doesn't show loyalty. Perhaps we might be fooled into thinking she doesn't even have the capacity to be loyal and to show any allegiance. And then right away, the king tests her loyalty. A king is the ultimate test of allegiance in the society. If you live under an active monarchy, uh, the only thing that matters is whether you obey the king or the queen. Uh, they are more important than, a, than even a moral code. If, if they tell you to do something, that is the right thing to do. It's the right ethical thing to do. To disobey the monarch is disloyalty to the king and country. But what we see is that Rahab has already made her choice. It says, but the woman had, she'd already taken the two men and hidden them. See, in the context of Jericho, she lived as a disloyal one. And she was viewed and labelled as a disloyal one. But in the context of God's people, she's immediately loyal and steadfast to God's purposes. In the context of God, she is transformed. Uh, sometimes we are trapped in broken ways of living because we haven't been in God's context. We've metaphorically been living in Jericho. We haven't been living under God's roof. We've been separate from God's people. We've been living in the wrong city under the wrong king. Sometimes it is our fault, sometimes it's not. We're just born into these situations. 
Uh, and for some of us, it might, might just be a particular part of our life. Maybe we've been born into a Christian household, but part of life is not really living under the grace of God. Now, perhaps the way you work in your career has only ever been according to the ways of the world. This is how Jericho works, so I do the same. Maybe there's only been a secular training for you along the way, but you haven't heard God's voice for how you might live. So maybe it's home life, maybe it's online life, maybe uh, there's part of your life that hasn't been living under God's roof. All you've ever known is the king of Jericho for that part of life. The question is, when we see God's roof coming over our heads, are we ready to be like Rahab and to immediately shift our allegiance, to immediately start working with God and to be disloyal to the king of Jericho, to leave those things behind. Because Rahab said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spires on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Uh, We might think she was lying. And yes, she's being deceptive with her words. But really what we're meant to see happening here is that she is betraying her king and causing him to fail in his plans and his purposes. She is working against her king and she has shifted uh, all of her loyalty to help God's people. Faith and allegiance uh, always demand some sort of disloyalty and betrayal against the evil forces of the world. As Christians, we're called to, to love people and to even love our enemies, but there will inevitably be a sense in which um, God's purposes are heading in a certain direction and we need to be disloyal to any forces driving against that. So perhaps we'll be disloyal to the corporate machine or some of the economic forces. We'll we'll need to be disloyal to endless warfare. We'll have to be disloyal to some political agendas, some of the systems that are oppressive or that damage the health of those who are vulnerable. We're required at times to be disloyal. But Rahab does this without hesitating because... Uh, Her heart is set with strength on the Lord God. And we hear it. Um, It's it's a beautiful statement of faith, of what Rahab sees, her vision. And she knows the reality. This is what she says. Listen to it again. Um, Because before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, so she declares her faith to the spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard uh, those things that God has done. When we heard of it, 
our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now she professes uh, her allegiance and then acts to secure her life in God's hands. Uh, she takes hold of God's salvation and kindness. And as we heard, she makes an agreement with the spies that will ensure that she is saved. And uh, that effective sign is that scarlet cord, a red cord for, I mean, it's in some ways, you might think, what a random detail. Why do we care that it's red? Why do we care that that was the sign? It could have just been, and, and just give us, make sure there's a sign that we know. But we're told it was a scarlet cord uh, that she put there. Well, the colour of faith is often red. We have scarlet faith. Uh, when Moses led the people out of Egypt, they had to paint the blood, red blood of a lamb over their doorway so that they would be saved and that the destruction that came would not fall on them. And, and so this story of Rahab is actually echoing through history that same pattern of salvation. But both of those are foreshadowing Uh, of the blood of Jesus that saves us. Destruction passes over us and we rest secure in God's love. And we celebrated with red this morning. We drank red. The colour of faith is often red. Well, in chapter 2, we don't hear the end of the story. It's only kind of part one. It's an introduction, really. It's quite a few chapters later that we get to the fall of Jericho and we find out what happens to Rahab. Spoiler alert! (laughs) Uh, She is saved. Uh, She she keeps the, the scarlet cord in place for the crucial time and everyone inside her house is saved. She, is a, um, a, she becomes a refuge for herself and others and God saves her. But that is not all. There's a bigger spoiler alert with Rahab and you might know this already. Uh, is because uh, she then becomes part of God's people. Uh, she marries into them and becomes a mother. So, happy Mother's Day, Rahab. Uh, But an even greater spoiler alert than that, Uh, if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, if you flick over to the start of Matthew's Gospel, at the very beginning, this is is how Matthew begins his account of Jesus. He says, this is the genealogy. Now, you might not be interested in genealogies. You might think they're a little bit boring, but they are very interesting. Have a listen to this one. The genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. So those are the brothers that went into Egypt. 
Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron. Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Aminadab. Aminadab the father of Nashon. Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was, it says this, whose mother was, guess who his mother was? Rahab. Rahab is named in the genealogy here. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, and from there it traces through to Jesus. It would seem that Rahab had her life so transformed, she was so brought in to God's family that she married uh, presumably that meant she, she gave up her original career. She was faithful to a husband and from having no children, she gave birth to a continuation of the line that runs through King David to the high priest and high king of heaven, Jesus. She also gets named two more times in the New Testament. In Hebrews and then in James, Rahab is named as a great exemplar of faith in action. She is the the first uh, strong and courageous one in Joshua and God honours her movement. She is not shamed for her past. She is celebrated for the promises she sees and how she steps into them with great faith. She is remembered as someone who showed great loyalty to God over everything else. So friends, uh, may you live with that same dedicated loyalty, that same commitment that same action that doesn't even hesitate to be fully aligned with God, to be incorporated into his family, to live, not just on Sunday, but to live every day under God's roof. May you give your life to him, even when it looks painful. Amen. Well, let's spend some time now. Uh, We're going to sing. We're going to sing our praises. Uh, But how about you you spend this time thinking about your own life? Where's your loyalty? Where do your loyalties lie? Where is God's roof coming over 